On this episode of the Break in the Game Show, Austin and I are joined by Zach Noble, who is a fellow Dash radio colleague of ours. He's the host of the Noble and Roosh podcast. And we're going to discuss the early all-star voting returns. We're going to discuss the controversy surrounding Jared Dudley's book. And then we close the show with our conference big three. You're not going to want to miss this episode. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. We'll be right back after this break. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Breaking the Game Show. I'm Stephen Gillespie, and joining me, as he almost always does, he had to miss last week. He's back this week, ladies and gentlemen. Austin Carr. I'm here for my triumphant return, I guess. You know, you know, <laughs> thanks for holding the fort down without me, Stephen. How you doing today? I'm good, man. The prodigal son returns. Very appropriate. <laughs> it's Super Bowl Sunday. I just got back from service. Ready to rock. And not only am I ready to rock for that reason, Austin, but today we have a very special guest. He is a fellow, he's a fellow, um, you know, Dash Radio, nothing but net, you know, colleague of ours. I'm very excited to have him on the show. He's the co host of the Noble and Roosh show. He just had a very dope episode with DDP, by the way. So I encourage everybody to go back and listen to that. But I'm done stalling, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Zach Noble. What's going on, Zach? Happy to be here, boys. Uh, gets my uh, adrenaline flowing for a big Super Bowl Sunday. So good thing to lead off for some uh, afternoon hoops and then get ready for the Super Bowl. Absolutely. Austin, how excited are you to have another Dash Radio you know, colleague of ours? This is the first time anyone outside of Off the Ball mm-hmm. Network that we've had on that's been on. Um, well, the appreciate that. Represent, yeah, let's go. Uh, pretty exciting for sure. You know, it's always awesome to connect with new friends and old friends and you know people that are in this you know kind of business with us so i'm excited for sure the head of dash is out of minnesota so i'm close with those guys and i'm actually split season tickets to the timberwolves with them and hopefully should be getting uh timberwolves press uh passes here soon from them so we're working hard at it that's awesome i know so basically what you're saying is if we play our cards right we'll get some timberwolves tickets down the line so all right (laughs) awesome no pressure No pressure. I'll, I'll, I'll put it on our calendar. <laughs> All right. Yeah. We'll I'll visit anytime. I always welcome. <laughs> right on, right on. And for anybody who can't see, Zach right now is rocking a Kansas City lid right now. So, Zach, I know that you're probably rooting for the Chiefs today. Uh, Austin, I know that the Chiefs are big in your home. Yes, they and are. I am a Rams fan, so I cannot root for Brady. So, we're Team Kansas City here Let's this roll. morning. <laughs> All right. It. Well, guys, we got the early all-star voting results back and kind of head scratching as most early voting returns are. This is where Zach, I don't know how you feel about this, but when players argue about the fan vote and how much weight it carries, when I see what I'm looking at right now in front of me, it's really hard for me to be upset with the players because, you know, they have money literally riding on, on this and the fans have 50% of the vote. So Zach, just on the early all-star voting results, how, how are you digesting this right now? You know, it always frustrates me, fan voting. I've always said they don't deserve much. It's just like players voting in general. Um, I'm a big advocate of the media getting literally all the votes um, because I think 
I mean, everybody's going to inherently have a bias. It's just mm -hmm. life. It's just the way things are. But the media are going to be the less biased out of all of them. I truly believe that. And facts are facts. Um, looking Just looking back at history. I mean, everybody, it's a big debate that's been going on for years. And I don't think it's ever going to stop until um, the majority of people are okay with the results. And I don't know. It's just kind of like any election or any voting system. It's never going to be perfect. But um, early returns, I mean, I don't I don't ever get too hyped up about the early returns because they usually straighten themselves out. And the All-Star game usually gets it right in my estimation. Um, I I have more beef with later awards uh, as, as it goes. But uh, it's rare, like... Jeremy Lin never made an all-star game. Zaza Pachulia never made an all-star game. So got, got um, close a couple times. They, they did. Right. They did. And it, it's it's like they just do this to work people up. Uh, we've there's probably only been two outlandish guys in the last couple of years. Um, I'd have to dive back and think about it. But um, there's always like five to seven guys that are on the borderline that you can switch in and out that are interchangeable. Uh, but it's always a great debate and a fun debate. Um, it just always comes down to how you value um, the guys you're placing in there. Yeah, that, that that's a good point. Austin, I know that you and I probably had a little bit more of a uh, visceral reaction to this compared to Zach just so eloquently like he just brings me back down to earth with the way that he just put that right. down because I looked at this Austin and I saw how in the heck can Clay Thompson be 10th in guards in the Western Conference right now my, my right. man hasn't played in like what two years and he's top yeah. 10 in, in the guard rotation here you got Derek Rose who love my man to death but oh my goodness mm -hmm. Is, is he literally the eighth best guard in the Eastern Conference right now? I mean, Austin, when you look at this, how upset are you? Um, it's it's a little annoying for sure. I, I try not to give it too much, you know, space in my mind, really, especially this early. You know, looking at just looking at this list, Jimmy Butler, you know, he's, mm -hmm. he's slated as the fifth number five front court player. Like he's almost into the starting five when he's played 10 games and he is, he, you know, he's just not deserving. And obviously clay Thompson, why is he even eligible to be voted on? Like the league could really easily go into their website and take a couple names out of guys That's that it. aren't playing or that haven't played enough. And then in terms of, you know, fan vote, I always kind of thought it would be cool to give the fans like a, like a 13th guy, like let the fans vote for one player that everybody really Love wants it. to see get in yep. after the rest of the team has been picked because like you said, they do have money and reputation riding on it and fans are going to vote for who they want to vote for. Like I'm in tons of fan groups on Facebook to, you know, for dispensing articles and whatnot. And every single team fan group has their entire starting five, their five <laughs> right. starters that they vote for. You know, I saw Jordan Clarkson and, and Bogdan Bogdanovich and a ton of, you know, people's ballots this week on Facebook. So a lot of people don't really take it that serious. They just vote for who they like or who they want to see. So I, I think it would be great if they changed that. But like Zach said, you know, most often, more often than not, it ends up, they end up getting it pretty right. And there's always going to be a, a, a big snub or two. And I think this year, probably more than most, but so that, I'm okay with that. But I, I think having like a 13th roster spot and give the fans one guy to vote on would be kind of cool. That's the solution. Just if you're injured and they haven't played a dang game, just don't put them on the ballot. <laughs> like it seems right. to be so simple versus 
getting everybody all worked up and making mm-hmm. the Twitter space even more negative than it already is. It's like, don't bring that negative stuff or it's not warranted. Positive vibes only as the kids yeah. say nowadays, right? So there you, go. you have that going on. And just a couple other names I want to touch on real quick before I get into what the players actually feel about the All-Star game coming this season. That's that's something that's actually going to happen on March 7th. But Carmelo Anthony, love him to death. This feels just more like a uh, Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, you know, I, I'm looking here. You mentioned Jimmy Butler. Just got there, um, you know, Ben Simmons, I kind of understand. Russell Westbrook, these guys are on the fringes. They made the ninth and 10th spot in the Eastern Conference on, on that end. But ultimately, I feel like what you gentlemen are saying, that the coaches, the media, the people who look at this, you know, the way that it should be looked at, right? Like outside of fandom, you know, unbiasedly, like what have you actually done this year? They're going to kind of come back and overcorrect it. But I want to touch on just real quick before we move on. How about Bradley Bill not being an all-star last year, but then turning around and leading all guards and voting in the Eastern Conference this year? Zach, do, do people just feel bad for what happened to him last year? Or is it the Russell Westbrook impact where he makes that team a little bit more attractive just due to his name being on that list? Call me crazy, but I'm okay. Like last year, um, I even said it. Like last year, I actually had him on personally, but I'm okay if you had him off the team. Uh, I value winning, and I I do. Like for the All-Star Game and awards, like I'm not asking for much either. Like my expectations are not high. Like I got relationships with Bradley Beal's people, and they came at me for just putting a – post of uh, not not being on my first initial returns of the team and uh, I'm like he has three wins right now okay I'm all dead last in the league all I'm asking for is like six wins like yeah six wins and you'd still be six and 17 that's still dog shit okay all I'm asking <laughs> for is just a little bit better and not like yeah just a little competency and somebody's got to score the ball you know on a team full of G-leaguers at times, I get it. This team is not expected to win much, but it's all about realistic expectations. And if Bradley Beal is truly an all-star, he should be able to win a couple games with anybody during these times, and um, especially early in the season. You know, like many, many people can get their sets. It, it's I truly believe that. Like, Me too. There's guys like Trey Young that are averaging – Less stats, uh, Zach Levine, Colin Sexton, but they're way more efficient and they're leading to some wins. And mm-hmm. their teams aren't that much better besides Trey Young, of course. His team, I love the Hawks team, top to yeah. bottom. They're incredibly deep, but like Colin Sexton and Zach Levine are the perfect example. They got Zach has five or six more wins than Bradley Beal. Colin Sexton has seven or eight more wins than Bradley Beal. I'm just asking for like half. Right. Yeah, I, that's that's not um, too outlandish of a thought process there. Austin and I, we kind of we kind of differ a little bit now for individual awards and stuff like that. Wholeheartedly agree that wins matter. Just my personal preference. I look at who is actually playing at an all star level individually just in a vacuum. But that that's just me. And there's different ways that you can kind of split this pie up. And ultimately, like Austin said, there's going to be people left off. Zach, me personally. 
I think that the rosters need to be expanded to 15 because right now in the Eastern Conference, there's legitimately 20 guys that you can make a case for being a legitimate all-star. And obviously, eight of those guys are going to be left off. In the West, there's about 16 that that I sat down and looked at for this. Mm-hmm. So there, you literally have an all-star team that you can make up of the snubs that will happen this season, Zach. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, twelve 12 guys on the outside looking in that I would be okay if you literally had them in. Um, and there's only like two or three guys that um, aren't for sure all-stars in my estimation. And that's guys like Brogdon, Zach Levine, Colin Sexton, those three. And then there's Trey Young, Beal, um, and like Julius Randle are the big debates for me. Um Everybody else, I mean, there's a lot. There's a laundry list. Like we said, 24 guys that there's going to be snubs regardless. Why not extend it to 15? I've been saying this for years to get it to 15. The league is just getting deeper. I mean, the talent, mm-hmm. the enrichment of talent is year after year. It's it's insane. I, I mean, just look at some of the benches of some of these teams, like you know the Lakers, for example. Since Taylor Horton Tucker's kind of had his little coming out party. Uh, Morris can't even get on the court anymore, hardly. And yep. he he's played in the NBA for a long time, and he's been a, a solid player for quite a few years. Morris would start for the Timberwolves. Mm-hmm. He yeah. would. Yeah. And he, he lost most of his spot on his team this year. And, you know, there's a lot of teams that are like that. And I've always kind of said when people make this debate about, the you know, the past eras versus this era, which is better. I don't know if at the top of the roster, it's really much different, but I just think guys that like 10, 11, 12, and 13 on the bench are definitely more talented than they were 20 or 30 years ago. And then uh, with Bradley Beal, I think last year, at least something that I heard that kind of made sense was when he didn't make the fan vote to be a starter, the rest of the league kind of, you know, sent him a message. Like you can't be, you can't get awarded if you're not going to even try on defense. And and so I could see that being part being part of the he reason. He has gotten better on the defense. He definitely team. has. He's he's playing a lot harder this year. I think it's I'm hard on that before. team. It's hard on that team. Yeah. I, I don't blame him for not wanting to play defense or not playing it. But to say right. he's playing it, uh, I watch. He's playing it better was, this season compared to last year is what I was right. saying. And again, who else on this team is going to defend? They don't have a rim right. protector. Bryant's not a rim protector. They don't have and a good gun. I mean, Isaac Bonga is your your best defender, but he is an absolute zero on the offensive end. And it's and again, it's really hard for when you're a player who you're exerting all of your effort to be your team's sole offense. It's hard, you know, at least from what I see in the NBA, right? It's hard for the best offensive player to be the best defensive player on the who, team. Who would actually think about it from your own perspective how easy or difficult would it be if you were losing all the time in last place the only player on your team that was really you know putting up any decent numbers to actually go out there 82 times a year with all that travel knowing it's really not going to make a difference and just play your butt off on both ends of the floor the whole night you know that's a big ask for a lot of people and everybody that talks about the game likes to say oh well you know they're getting paid all this money. It'd be easy for me to do that. I don't think it would be so easy. It's a hard mindset to put yourself into. And some guys are just struggle with that more than others. And I don't blame them. I'm with you hundred percent, but uh, I believe in this roster. Like I was higher on the wizards than most during, me too. during the off season. It's one of my misses right now, but again, Russell Westbrook's missed a bunch of games. Yes. I say a bunch. It's only been like three or four. Um, and 
Yeah, I mean, but their lineups have been really scattered. I mean, guys, a lot of guys have missed games. Probably 90% of the game, team has missed a bunch of games. Bradley Beal's like literally the only one that's played in every single one of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, no, he is. It's him and Robin Lopez, really, um, are the only two that have played in them all. Uh, but here's the thing. I mean, the leader always sets the tone, you know, the rest of the team, like there's a reason why Troy Brown Jr. has taken a step back. Davis Bertans has taken a step back and I can go down the list. Guys, I actually believed in to flourish. It's because their leader isn't making them any better. Um, and he's showing terrible body language at times. And, uh, I'm sorry. I love Bradley Beal. I want him to be freed and want him to be on another team. Um, I, this past week, I put him in the All-Star game uh, after release new ones because he did win two out of three games in this past week. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's but and he's not dead last in the league and wins. But uh, with that said, he's tied for dead last. Um, yeah. <laughs> and it's been uh, a crazy year, by the way, for teams overall, you know, even outside the Wizards, mm-hmm. you know, just – Teams that we thought were going to look good don't. Teams that we had low expectations for or would be in the playoffs today if they were to start today. It's been a it's been a crazy year, Zach. Mm-hmm. Who's the? Do you guys have your teams uh, partitioned out? I guess. I mean, who are um, the craziest names you're leaving off right now? Oh, um, I'm leaving off Julius Randle right now. I'm leaving off Gordon Hayward. Uh, who else Hayward's am I leaving off? Hayward's, here? Hayward's one of my big ones. And in my initial I'm leaving vote, off Colin I, Sexton. I'm My initial vote, I left off Kyrie Irving, but that was just because he hasn't played. He hadn't played very many games. I'm sure yeah. he'll, he, he, in terms of how he's played, he deserves to be on there, but he didn't make it on my vote just because of the amount of games that he, he voluntarily missed. So, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a list like Bam out of bio. He's really tough to leave yep, off. I left Bam I left off. him off. Yep. Pascal Siakam. I mean, but. I mean, Brogdon's going to be a really tough one for me to leave off. Um, he made my team. He made mine too. Yeah, but like I'm having Trey Young over him, and um, it's going to be a debate between probably Beal and Zach Levine. Whoever, I mean, come down to the end, whoever deserves it the most, in my opinion. And because I, I think their stats are, I mean, very comparable if you look at everything as a whole. And I think as players, they're really close. Like, I truly think there's a tier of players, like, from the East perspective, it's Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Zach Levine, Colin Sexton. Uh, there's 10 to 20 players that are in the same tier that, I mean, are hold a, basically the same amount of value. Yes, certain players are better than each other, but their value to a team in regards to winning um, with a bad supporting cast is very equal. Yeah, and then on the Western Conference, I have DeMar DeRozan in mind, but I feel like the Spurs are a team that have overachieved this season. And then you look at what DeMar DeRozan has done this season. He He's improved literally every statistical category right now thus far. It is pretty close to, if not already, being a career high thus far at this point of the season. So I have him in mind. Like you're saying, Zach, there's so many guys that, that deserve to be on this team. That, that just flat out won't. But what else is kind of polarizing about this conversation right now is the fact that we canceled the All-Star game coming into the season. Austin, again, I'm sorry. Every time we talk about this, I got to say I'm sorry. If you live in Indiana where it was supposed to be and it got taken away from you, now it's being given to my state, so at least one of us wins. I'm in Georgia now, so Atlanta is now going to be getting an All-Star game. 
of some degree. We don't know what exactly it's going to look like. We don't know if they're going to be letting the, you know, the same type of, you know, high, high popular people, high popular people in, in society going to be in the game or whatnot. But some of the NBA players have spoken out and I, Zach, I'm just really curious to see what you have to say about this. One of the guys that I want to discuss is De'Aaron Fox. Now he's on the bubble on a lot of people, whether or not he would make an all-star team. If he does, he'll probably be like that 14th or I'm sorry, that 11th, 12th player. But he said, yeah, he says that if I'm going to be brutally honest, I think it's stupid. If we have to wear a mask and do all this for a regular game, what's the point of bringing the all-star game back? But obviously money makes the world go round. So it is what it is. I'm not really worried about it. If I'm voted in, so be it. If I'm not, whatever. And then he was asked, you know, so, okay, if you do get voted in, are you going to play? He's like, you know, you get fined, right? You're supposed to be, if you're supposed to be in it and you're, and you're hurt and you decide not to play, that's a hefty fine. So, hell yeah, I would play in it. Hope I don't get fined for saying that. So, Zach, with that being the case, do you do you find any merit in what he's saying at all, or is it his status in the league that he probably shouldn't be saying this? Like, what camp do you kind of fall in here? Yeah, I don't think De'Aaron has much of a say, in my opinion, to be honest. I think it starts at the top. I mean, yeah, it, it, it you should value every player's opinion, and it's just – everyone's going to have a different stature and have a little less meaning, I guess, behind it. And Darren doesn't mean a lot to me as his voice right now in, in this. Um, but guys like LeBron, guys like Giannis, I mean, they don't like it. They don't want it. I don't think they should have it. Um, if they think the all-star game is more so uh, an event to kind of just take a little breather during the season so they can give it all for the second half, I personally don't, I mean, I've never liked um, all the excuses and guys sitting out and, I mean, making all these, uh, the league's just getting softer and softer over the years. I mean, that's just the way it is. I mean, I'd rather you just do things silently um, and skip games, take a rest. I'm, I'm okay with resting. It's just how you talk about it and go about your business, that is. But uh, my thing is, we're, we're getting a bunch of positive results from time to time, and it's definitely affected the season. So I don't think the All-Star game is necessary. Yes, we should have the voting um, and whatnot. It's one thing if we they had it completely under control, things were running smoothly, um, don't have instances like they did in Brooklyn with KD. That was a bunch of BS. Yeah, that um, was ridiculous. Really pissed me off. Uh, but – I don't. I personally don't think they should have the game, especially if guys are just going to sit there and whine about it the entire time. It just makes it not as fun for the fans in general. Um, if they're excited about it, and they probably should be, I mean, I don't think it's that out of control. If the league believes they can handle the game and they should have it, I mean, they get paid a lot of money to do this stuff, um, and it's for the fans. It's a really enjoyable event, but it just takes all the enjoyment out of it. If we go in and they think we're, they're going to half acid and um, they're not going to have a good time at the, the event as well. Cause it definitely will show in their game and um, won't translate to competitiveness and whatnot. Uh, but yeah, I don't think it's that necessary, especially when fans, if, if fans can't be there, especially for, uh, the other competitions and that's what those are all about for the fans to be live and whatnot. Uh, so it's a tough situation for sure, but um, I'd lean to 
towards not having it. I I'm I kind of feel the exact same way about this. It's it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. I I don't really want to listen to players complain about it too much because they have a players union like they should have when they were negotiating the, the early start of the season and the short off season they could have very easily made a stipulation that you know saying hey we're we're taking a two week break for the all or a week break or whatever for the all-star break instead of having a game can and, i interject real quick yeah go ahead they did cancel the all-star break though they were t- I they mean, told the players that there's not going to be an all-star game that's what I mean. So they, the players' union, should have gotten something, you know, in writing as part of this deal that said, "Hey, we're for sure not having one," so they couldn't go back and do this because you know the NBA wants as many eyes on as many games as many days of the year as possible, like any business would. But so you know they had their opportunity, I think, to to get out of this if they really wanted to. And then I think about it kind of in terms from both sides. I think probably ownership pushed a little bit to have this one for the money aspect and two if your star player is going to the all-star game you know where he's going to be you know where he's like what he's going to be doing instead of going home or going you know to see family or whatever where there's probably a lot more temptation to go out or do things that could you know cause another outbreak of covid so I think from that aspect, it makes sense for the owners. And then the players, you know, my only thing is, is everybody complains all the time about how the all-star game isn't competitive and it's just, there's no defense. You know, the last couple of years have been better, but everybody always says it's last boring. Year was because phenomenal, it's, by the it way, was. that Elon they, getting, yeah. They, they're go- I think they're going back to just a normal game, aren't they? Well, or I know that they're East doing East-West. And funny enough, Zach, I want to kind of pick your brain on this. I think they went back to the East-West because I think that players got tired of being the last pick. You know, like I'm maybe sure. their feelings got hurt a little bit. You right. know, especially <laughs> with it being televised. Like, who of all these All-Stars wants to be the last guy picked? You know, I think that that probably played a factor in that. I'm sure it did. Definitely. No, that makes a lot of sense. Um, also think they should stick with the Elam ending. Yeah, um, I'm not all the way there and doing it during the regular season, but I'd love to see it. Uh, try and have a couple trial runs with it uh but it was sick i love the elam ending it was i think overtime would be a great time to do an elam ending yes yeah Yeah, definitely definitely that's a good idea i just worry that you know everybody already always complains that it's not as competitive as it should be or it's not that entertaining if guys are like completely against even playing in it how bad is the product on the court going to be this year so i don't know if it's there's going to be a whole lot of value in it for the fans really especially if they can't be there. Well, it was a short off season too. So that's a big thing. Um, And I understand from the player's perspective, they didn't get enough time to uh, heal their bodies and get their mind and body in the right place. So that makes a lot of sense from that perspective. And Mm -hmm. um, I kind of feel for them on that side of things. Yeah. So I want to get into LeBron James comments and then I'll just give my two cents. Um, LeBron James also commented on this and I, me personally, I feel like he's like, okay, Darren Fox said something about it, so now I have to type thing. So he says, I have zero energy and zero excitement about an all-star game this year. I don't even understand why we're having an all-star game. Short off-season for myself and my teammates, 71 days. Speaking about the quick turnaround, time from winning the championship in the bubble to opening the season before Christmas, which also was not supposed to happen. They were talking about starting the season later, and then the season started earlier, right? Then he says, and then coming into the season, we were told that we're not having an all-star game, so we'd have a nice little break, five days from the 5th through the 10th, an opportunity for me to kind of recalibrate for the second half of the season, my teammates as well, some of the guys in the league, 
And then they throw an all-star game on us like this and just breaks it all the way up. So I'm pretty much kind of a slap in the face. Uh, I think he's embellishing a little bit, but I do understand. I do understand the, the sentiment that these guys, so much of their life is tied up into the NBA season. And especially with that shortened off season, guys like LeBron James, especially right. Was told that he was going to have time down. Now that's being taken away. But Austin, to your point, who is his best friend in the NBA that everyone always talks about, right? Right. It's Chris, Chris Paul. Paul. Who, what does Chris Paul do for the players? So he's, he's the, president, the president, right? So how hard would it have been for you to call up Chris Paul? You know, is this a situation where LeBron feels like, oh, they should come to me and ask me because I am who I am type thing? I don't know. This could be just a little bit of conjecture, speculation on my end, Zach. But I think that both players, I think that, De'Aaron Fox and LeBron James, especially LeBron James, will with what just happened to him in the same city that they're going to be holding this in, right? He got echoed by a courtside Karen and her husband, uh, no mask. And what just happened in Brooklyn that you touched on earlier, Zach, in the middle of a game, Kevin Durant got pulled out for COVID protocol. So what happens when all the best NBA players meet in one court and all it takes is for another Kevin Durant instance and then all of a sudden contract tracing kicks in and then the NBA is not going to just sit all these dudes at once. But if they want to hold true to that protocol that they're putting in place, that's something that they really have to consider, Zach. Well, yeah, legal will go to shit for sure. Uh, and chance of the le- league and the season being canceled, there's a great chance of it. So uh, my thing is, yeah, Chris Paul, talk to LeBron. I mean, he's going to say something about anything and everything, whether it's the NBA or not. I mean, it's, it's what he does. So you probably should have a conversation with them every time. Uh, but these guys' life and business is all structured to a T. It's all very well planned. So then when you change their plans on them midway through the season, things aren't going to go well. It is not going to go smooth. And that's, yeah. I mean, if that's, hundred percent the case and how it happened, which I think it is, that's terrible. I mean, that's not how it should be. You got to plan these things out in advance, um, especially with their breaks and their schedules and whatnot. And um, I can definitely understand it's going to throw them for a loop, but uh, yeah, it, it's a sticky situation for sure. My big thing is, wouldn't you think that the president of the players association, part of his job would be to gauge the how the rest of the players feel about it? And if there's a, a bunch of big name guys that think it's pointless and are upset about it, like, what's the point in doing it? I get the charity. I get the money aspect of it. But from Chris Paul's standpoint, why why push this through if there was if there was pushback at all? And then LeBron James, like you said, he's his best friend in the in the league. Go talk to him about it. You know, you if you don't want to play it, be like, and you hear him talking about it, be like, hey man, the players aren't going to go for this. You need to shut this down. So if he really had a, a big, I think he could have done something about it. And I don't know why he wouldn't. But also with COVID and all the restrictions and everything, these guys aren't getting to see friends and family nearly as much as they're used to. They're not getting to really enjoy themselves outside of the basketball court at all. So it's, I understand for sure why it's upsetting. I just don't know how it got to this point if there's a bunch of players that really are against it. Well, Zach, you know this, right? So typically what happens when the Players Association, it's not a who's who of the NBA in those meetings. Mm -hmm. Typically it's your rookies, your first, second, third year guys coming in that aren't 
as involved with off the court ventures and stuff like that. So LeBron James just putting this out there. LeBron James is not sitting in these meetings. You know, Giannis, yeah. you know, even De'Aaron Fox, he's, you know, the Kings best player. They're not chilling in these meetings saying, no, Chris Paul, we disagree. They're having, you know, um, who, who on the Lakers is probably Alex Caruso is probably chilling in these meetings, right? Taylor Horton Tucker is probably chilling in these meetings. <laughs> It's it's not like I said, it's not the Justice League of the NBA sitting around a table trying to figure out what they're going to do to save the day. Right. So that there's that aspect of it, too. But, guys, we got some more. We got another, you know, kind of polarizing conversation that I want to get into. Did you guys know that you can be an active NBA player participating in the inaugural bubble, the first ever NBA bubble? You could be competing for an NBA championship and still find time to write a book about what's going on on your day-to-day life right now. And that's exactly what Jared Dudley did. Jared Dudley, it's a 42-page book. So it's it's a light read. You know, my, my eight-year-old could probably pick it up and read it in a day. And LeBron um, might finish it in six weeks. Maybe. Who knows? That's the first page. Who knows? Uh, we're not, <laughs> this is going a completely different way than I anticipated. But anyway, Jared Dudley wrote a book called Inside the NBA Bubble, a championship. Very, um, you know, very intelligent, very creative title there. And um, in this, what I wanted to touch on, fellas, is that the that the Lakers it, at large, including Jared Dudley, felt disrespected by Ball George. And in, this is a little excerpt from the book. It says, "We hear some of those guys, some of those guys talking about how they're the team to beat in L.A. You know, it's a, if I, it's fine if Kawhi Leonard says stuff like this. He's the defending champion." We don't trip if someone like Patrick Beverly is talking trash. That's how he feeds his family. We get it. We respect the hustle. So Patrick Beverly is already getting respect in this book right now. But what we think is disrespectful, it's disrespectful for Paul George, who hasn't won, to put himself in the in, on the level of a LeBron James, who has won, but then also an Anthony Davis, who up until last year hadn't won anything either. Um, this motivates us. Then Paul George responds with, who wrote this book? I mean, that's your typical NBA response. Who said this? And they said, oh, okay, it was Jared Dudley. He said, God bless him. God bless you, Jared Dudley. I don't know what it is. Dudes love love throwing my name in the stuff, but bless you. And then Dudley responds back in kind. He says, my comments were more about how we viewed the motivation. Paul George is a heck of a player and MVP candidate. Doesn't mean that what he said wasn't wrong, but the difference is, how you see someone like LeBron and AD, them not saying anything, and then them saying, you know what, we'll find out who the king of LA is on the court last season, and then obviously we know how this season went. So, Zach, after all that being said, what do you what do you think about this back and forth between Jared Dudley and Paul George? It's ridiculous. That's all I can say for it. I, I really don't have much of an opinion on it. I think it's kind of lame, to be honest. Um, Jared Dudley in general. Um, he's an interesting guy, has a lot of great stories. I mean, I just don't really care about his book. I mean, it's <laughs> 47 pages. That's enough said. Um, probably doesn't have enough content to <laughs> write much more than that. Uh, but yeah, he just, Jared Dudley doesn't seem to have that much respect around the league, like in general. Like, you don't hear people wanting him like uh, like compared to a lot of other role players and it's like just unnecessary shade but Paul George I mean 
he's never been the best with words, in my opinion. Um, whether it's in Indiana, OKC, and now in LA, and he's just one of those guys that needs to just prove it. You know, um, he's had the teams, and he's got to go out and do it. And Paul George will always be underrated. He will be. I mean, just because um, his playoffs has been much better than people make it out to be. Uh, but yeah, overall, I just don't give a damn. Like it's. <laughs> It, it is what it is. Jared Dudley's sick book, bro. I appreciate the hustle, uh, but try to go more than 40 pages next time. Yeah, right. just probably in a hurry to be a New York Times bestseller while being an active NBA player. Austin, kind of interesting. I have our show notes, but I would just please indulge us on how you're breaking so, this down. I have a few thoughts about this, and I I agree with Zach a lot that it's it's kind of a silly thing to even have to talk about, but it is fun, so why not? Um you know, for one, I can't remember other than this book the last time I really thought about Jared Dudley. You know, and you you Phoenix. said, how do you, <laughs> did you know you can write a book while being an active NBA player in a bubble? Well, the way you do that is by you're not actually competing or really playing. You're the last guy on the bench and you never really get in the game. So you got to find something to do with your time, I guess. And it feels <laughs> like such a reach to put out a 47 page book. And I will also add this. If you have Amazon Prime, you can already get this book on their free reads list. So uh, it's not anything really to write home about, I don't think. Um, But really, like, what is Paul George supposed to say when they ask him about who's the best, better duo in L.A.? Is he supposed to say, oh, no, we're going to bow down to LeBron and Anthony Davis. They're better Mm -hmm. than us. No, because he'd get killed for that. He'd get killed for that. He gets killed for this. I think. This just goes to show you, even the last guy on the Lakers bench, I have a whole lot of respect for Paul George at this point. I don't really know why. I think sometimes he puts his foot in his mouth, yeah, but I I don't think he's anywhere near as, as much of like a bad guy as people try to make him out to be. Right. I just think he's in this position where he's damned if he does, he's damned if he doesn't, no matter what he says now, all because of this play. You know, I guess just don't give yourself a nickname and and – you that's the takeaway. Okay. That, that might have been his Cardinals. <laughs> I don't know. But a 47-page book just feels like such a reach, especially from a guy that whose name is literally never in NBA headlines. Well, and just credit to, to Jared Dudley. It, it is a feat to be in the NBA. It is a feat it to is. be the 15th man on a roster. It, it's a feat to come from Boston College, which doesn't generally pump out a lot of NBA talent go on to be an NBA champion. He's played with upwards of, I think, like 25 Hall of Famers, 900 games. So credit where credit's due. I'm not here to throw shade on Jared Dudley. My thing is, though, with where he stands in the league as far as his status, it's just it's interesting to me that he would group LeBron James separately from Paul George. Totally get that. But prior to this season, you could argue that Paul George was more established in the NBA than Anthony Davis so why is Anthony Davis all of a sudden in this book being untouchable compared to Paul George? That's my thing. Why on earth? Like he was third in MVP voting, which just so happened to be the same level that Anthony Davis had ever gotten in his NBA right. career. <laughs> so, I mean, he's and, he's gone to the playoffs every year of his career. I was just going to say Anthony that. Davis. And Paul George, too. Paul George led the Pacers basically as the one star to the Eastern Conference Finals at least once. He might have made it twice. But And Anthony Davis hardly ever, got out of, hardly ever got out of the first round when he was in New Orleans. And he played with talent, too. He had, he had mm-hmm. playoff Rondo on his team. He had... Mm-hmm. 
he had Drew Holiday on his team, and we just all saw the haul that Milwaukee gave up to get him, right? So, right. you know, they tried to pair him up with DeMarcus Cousins, now obviously unforeseen injury, but he's had talent. Paul George gave LeBron James everything that he ever wanted in the Eastern Conference, you know, showdown. So, I don't know. I just... I get why you say, okay, don't don't group yourself in with a LeBron James. I don't think that he was when he compared the duos. I think that he was putting Kawhi Leonard in that same conversation as a LeBron James, which, Zach, I think that that's merited to some degree. He's probably not as good, obviously, as LeBron, but he's he's done some he's done some really great things in the NBA. Mm-hmm. Jared just comes off bitter like Shaq and Charles from time to time, and I think he'd be better off as um, a guy that tells stories um, in general, um, like factual stories versus putting out opinions out there. And then uh, later in his career, I mean, he is super intelligent. He knows the game well and he's got good insights. It's just he doesn't utilize it properly. I mean, he really doesn't. So I think he can have a nice, interesting, long career, but just don't be Shaq and Charles right now. Be be somebody better. I mean, <laughs> right. He's yeah. he's never been a, a polarizing opinionated guy, so it's a, it's a weird thing for him to kind of try to force him his way into this conversation and go after a guy like Paul George for no what seems like no real reason. <laughs> well, everybody's and, doing it, yeah. so you might it's, as well. It kind of just felt like piling on to that thinks it sells or something but yeah it doesn't really make sense to me you know he can't be like charles and shaq he's not as charming and funny as those guys and people don't really know know what he's like you know how he is as as a you know personality wise they don't just don't know much about him he's not that big of a name so it just felt really like a huge reach all yeah you gotta have a huge name to say whatever you want anytime you Mm -hmm. want really right (laughs) and he got called out on that too and he did turn around and say like you don't have like my words are just words. If you don't like them, that's one thing. But like if I'm asked, I'm going to tell people what I think. And I always kind of tongue in cheek say that when you see, you know, Jared Dudley check into a game, it's over just because, you know, it's usually cleanup duty, you know, as as they say in the NBA game. So, yeah, I thought that it would be a fun little conversation to get into because, again, it's Paul George. We, we can never have too much Paul George content, apparently, in the NBA. We could have went with how Darko Milicic is slamming Rudy <laughs> Gobert's contract from across the other side of the world, but we won't do that. So, Zach, we have a fun little segment that we like to do here for um, our Monday show. It's called our Conference Big Three, where we look at the Eastern and Western Conference, and we say who are the best teams at this very moment in both of those conferences. Now it's not just looking at who's first, second, third and standings, you know, it's who they're beating, who they're losing to, who they have on their roster right now, where we had them projected coming into the season and how they've played through the past few weeks. So Zach, with that being said, who would you say are your Eastern conference, big three? So kind of like my power rankings. Yes, sir. Okay. Exactly. So number one, call me crazy. Um, I'm putting Brooklyn out there. Um, I'm putting Brooklyn as number one. Um, I'm okay if you go Philly on this, uh, but I just think they've played good enough when all three play together. Uh, Going to be really tough to beat. I mean, they're my pick out of the East, and I think they've shown enough already. Uh, they're just getting screwed right now on some of this COVID stuff, and I really think their game should be postponed going forward because – they all had contract tracing. Don't just pick out KD. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, the game should have been canceled the other night, but that's all I'll say on that. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, number two is Philly. Uh, they're playing incredibly cohesive as one unit, and Embiid is the MVP right now in my estimation. There you go. Um, yeah. hands, hands down. It's not really even that close. Uh, but then uh, number three would be Milwaukee Bucks. Um, I think they're as good, they're as deep and as talented as they've ever been. This will be the best Giannis team come playoff time. It's just they're chilling a little bit. They're not taking it as seriously as they have in the past, which I'm okay with, and I'm not worried about it at all. Okay. Uh, we and so Austin, Austin, we have um, Philly, Milwaukee, and Boston. We could have put Brooklyn in there. It just coming off of a loss, right? So we take streaks into account. Boston is doing better since they've got their roster back together. They are still without Marcus Smart for a little bit of time. But we we both like Austin and I. We both like Philly a lot. Zach Doc Rivers. I think that coming out of last season got overly criticized for the whole three one thing. And uh, people are coming out with the overrated stuff. If you need proof that Doc Rivers is a really good NBA coach, look at what Philly did last season and look at where they're standing this year. So I'm glad that he's kind of silencing those critics. Like you said, Milwaukee, not only are they kind of taking it easy a little bit, Zach, but I think that they're still trying to figure out who they're going to run through in the fourth quarter, right? Like, is it always going to be Giannis? They got Drew Holiday and Chris Middleton. I'm a big Chris Middleton guy. I've converted. I used to, I used to not be a Chris Middleton guy, but I don't know if you, if you watch basketball and you watch Chris Middleton, I don't know how you can't not like his game. You know what I mean? What what changed for you though? I mean, I don't don't want to understand that because it's just, he improved. He got better. I mean, and he's always been one of the best playoff performers ever like he's been super efficient and almost as good as Giannis in the playoffs to be honest (laughs) Mm -hmm. no and last season changed my mind it's just because I think that they started going to him more they I think last season they had to puff up Giannis to try to keep him and we know that's the ugly part of the game right like you have to Mm -hmm. you have to stroke dudes egos in order to convince them that they need to stay in Milwaukee right so I think that we saw that in the playoffs. They started going to Chris Moore. And coming into the season, Austin and I agreed that, like, okay, there there's a case to be made that Chris Middleton might be the overall best player in Milwaukee. Not saying that he has like that he has like the peak of a Giannis, but he has he's more well rounded. He doesn't have much more. holes in his game. Yeah, and I just think too, a big a big part of it for me is just that. The, the the little bit of time that Giannis missed in the playoffs last year, the offense just ran so smooth oh, when it was going through Middleton. And I never understood why their offense is give the ball to Giannis 20 feet from the basket because his goal is to get right up to the rim and, and get as close as he can. Why not start him 10 feet from the basket, get him into a good position, and get him to where you can get him the ball in good spots instead of forcing him to kind of do it all. And so I've always really liked Chris Middleton, though, and I'm glad Steven's starting to come around. No, I came. I wrote an article on OffTheBallNetwork.com oh, where I, I made the case for Chris Middleton being the overall better player in Milwaukee. And again, not and people will raise their eyebrows and scoff at that just hearing it because Giannis has established himself as a two-time MVP, Defensive Player of the Year, a whole bunch of great things. I just like Chris Middleton's well-rounded game, and he's a closer on that team, right? So. Mm-hmm. All right, fast forwarding now to the Western Conference, Zach. Who do you who do you have as your best three in the West right now? Yeah, so I mean, from a regular season perspective, it's easily uh, the Utah Jazz. But mm. I every time I do power rankings, I always really put in a strong case for the best team at the end of the day. Um, 
on any given night and who has the best chances for a title shot. So therefore, the Jazz are three for me. Um, the Clippers are going to be number two and the Lakers are number one. Um, I don't see that changing anytime soon. I really don't. Uh, maybe number three could change at some point, but the Jazz are just on a mission right now. I mean, yes, sir. nine and one in their yes, last 10, uh, arguably the best defense in the league. Uh, Mike Conley out of nowhere just is having one of the best years of his career, just decided um, I still got it in me and I want to prove him wrong. I just think the way they left the bubble, they're the one team that was super motivated coming out of this year, and it's been a pleasure to watch. Um, they're finally maximizing everybody from top to bottom, and um, I've always I've always liked them as a team and always believed in them, but this is the type of dominance that I knew they were capable of. It's just had to see it. I mean, they have a plus 8.5 differential right now. Um, that is number one in the West maybe uh, number two in the league behind the Bucks, um, but they're doing it way more. Yeah, absolutely. Yes, Austin, we got, we have, we're kind of back and forth a little bit on Utah. Go with yours, Lakers. man. We're, we're back and forth. I like LA just because of who they have beaten so far. Mm -hmm. uh, Utah, their streak, their last 10, absolutely. Losing to Denver, I, that's high marks for me. I, that's why I have them over the Clippers right now. I just think that the Lakers right now, especially just coming off that double overtime victory against Detroit, who they did lose to earlier in the season, right? So I, I, I have the Lakers more, and I think that their roster kind of tips the scale a little bit more to that, kind of like what you were saying earlier, Zach. Utah, number two. And then the Clippers, Austin, you and I both agree that they are third in the West. Yeah, and, you know, I think – like Zach said, I don't see this three other than the how you have them one, two, three. I don't think this three is going to change really much anytime soon. These three teams have seemed to kind of separate themselves. Denver is playing a little bit better, but mm -hmm. I, I just they're not quite up to this level yet. Uh, Utah is just talk about a team that knows knows what how to play, knows who they are. They they play great together. Every guy knows their role. You know they've got some of the best bench players. They've just got professional it's guys the, that and it's largely the same roster from yeah, last season that's a big no other team it, has that right that is a good point steven and i just feel like you know they're just they don't have the sexy names and they're from you and they're in utah so they're not <laughs> yeah. going to get hey, talked Donovan about like, mitchell is sexy. well he is he, he is. is yes he is but like joe ingles and bogdanovich i think are are pretty underrated clarkson coming into oh, this year yeah. was six man of the year to me right yeah. now i don't know how so, you argue you know, against that. i think utah could give the clippers a a, a pretty good matchup i think they'd give them a, a enough trouble to make it pretty interesting i just think you know ultimately come playoff time lebron james and anthony davis is, are going to be hard to beat and you know, the Lakers and Utah are both on three-game win streaks. The Clippers just lost recently, but they're all, you know, within like a game or a half a game of each other. And so, you know, these three are, are definitely the three dominant ones in a conference that go, coming into the season, I think everybody felt could kind of go any which way outside of the Lakers. So it's pretty interesting to see how much they've kind of separated themselves. Yeah, wholeheartedly agree. All right, well, gentlemen, that kind of wraps up the, the whole schedule that we had set up for today. Uh, Zach, on behalf of Austin and myself, man, just super appreciate you making yeah, time for fun. a busy Super Bowl Sunday to come and talk for about an hour about what's going on in the NBA. And uh, we enjoyed having you on, man. 
Really appreciate it, guys. Uh, anytime you want me, I'm, I'm down. This is a lot of fun, and uh, hope uh, we get a hell of a Super Bowl tonight. I, me too. Most anticipated one of my lifetime, in my estimation, um, as a family that are Chiefs fans and Tom Brady being the, the GOAT, uh, this should be unbelievable, so I can't wait. Yeah, I got Kansas City 34-27, just saying. Uh, I, I um, like that. What did I give you as my final score, Stephen? Do you remember? I don't have 38, 31. 30, somewhere around there, yeah. Ooh. Yeah. I said I, I knew it was either 38, 31 or 38, 35, Kansas City. I think it's going to be pretty back and forth. You know, the last time they met in the playoffs, it kind of came down to just, you know, obviously in overtime, who got the ball last. So hopefully yeah. it's a great game. But, you know, Zach, thank you so much for coming on, man. It's been a lot of fun. You got it, guys. Take it easy. Hey, and what we like to do, just real quick, Zach, uh, if you could take a moment and tell the people where they can find you on social media and uh, about your show and stuff like that. Yeah, it's just how you spell my name, Z-A-K-N-O-B-L-E, on Twitter. That's the only place you can find me, really. Um, Noble and Rue Show is on all platforms, uh, mainly Ball is Life. Uh, We got a big network expansion going on over there. It's going to be some big things happening. And, uh, yeah, the guests are only getting bigger. Should have some more wrestlers for you, Steven. uh, Oh, man. Your uh, Diamond Dallas Page episode that I was listening to while I was getting my notes ready, I just I was telling Zach earlier, Austin, I had a DDP like wrestling figure that you could play with on trampolines and stuff like that. And he yep. said, the, it's me, it's me, it's DDP. But obviously, in his <laughs> voice, I can't sound like him at all. But dude, he was uh, one of my all time favorites, too. I yeah. love DDP. I'm so jealous. highly encourage anybody who not only just loves sports in general, but if you want a little bit of nostalgia, go back and listen to that Noble and Rue show. Like Zach said, you can find it anywhere that podcasts are available. Be sure to like, share, subscribe, rate, and review. I'm I'm pretty sure that Zach would greatly appreciate those five stars. Those make all the difference in the podcast world. Much appreciated. Need it. And I actually got an Arkansas boy coming on next week. We got Mason Jones coming on the show next week. And uh, very cool. Dollar Bill Stearns from Billions. There you go. Well, we're gonna have awesome. We're going to have ex-Arkansas Razorback uh, coming on soon, Ronnie Brewer, who yeah. I love watching good. him coming on. Yeah, Yes, we do. We're pretty excited about that. He knows the game well, too. Yeah, he he does. He does a lot of great work. But mm-hmm. um, Yes, he does. If you guys are interested in following Austin or myself, be sure to follow Austin on Twitter at AustinCar10. That's car with two R's and then the number yes, 10. You can follow me on Twitter at StevenBTG, which is the name of the show that you're listening to right now on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio, Breaking the Game. You can follow our show on both on Twitter and Instagram at BTG NBA pod and be sure to go to off the where you can get all of your sports needs. But again, Zach, uh, on behalf of Austin, myself, so grateful to have you on today, man. It's been a blessing. It's been a treat. Got to have you back again, man. For sure. It was fun. Yeah. But um, we'll, time, boys, take it easy. All right. You Be too, well. man. Yep. And thank you for everybody listening and watching right now um, to us on the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. We'll catch up with you guys next time. Much love, everybody. Have a good one. <laughs>